My name is Mark Davis. I am an independent Oxford local historian and guide with a particular interest in the city's waterways. And I am standing now above the River Thames on the footbridge which carries the Thames path over the river at Medley, about two miles upstream from Folly Bridge. To the southwest, I can see some new wooden fences and a lawn with tables and chairs. This is the new Medley Beer Garden, to which I'll refer again shortly. Beyond it, there is a substantial stone wall, and a bit farther still, just visible through some trees, are the roof and upper windows of a large house with some adjacent outbuildings and sheds. That is Medley Manor Farm, a place with which I have a personal association derived via empire in North America and in India. Yet for some 20 years, while I researched the history of this location, I had absolutely no knowledge of this. That research included a section about Medley in my first local history book, when I brought things right up to date by interviewing the then owner, Charles G, in the late 1990s. Subsequently, I included descriptions of Medley on guided walks or in passenger boat commentaries and magazine articles, and published a second edition of my book, A Towpath Walk in Oxford. Yet in all that time, I had no inkling that I had any personal connection, that the entire 83-acre farm had once belonged to an ancestor. Why would I, when that ancestor was born in Ireland, lived all his adult life in India, and quite possibly never even set foot in Oxford? But before I tell you about this peculiar coincidence, let me first summarise the long and well-documented history of Medley Manor. The name Medley can be traced back to the Saxon period as the Middle Island. In the 12th century, it came into the possession of nearby Osney Abbey, but passed into Henry VIII's clutches in the, eight, in the 1540s as a result of the dissolution of the monasteries. By the early 18th century, Medley had passed into private hands, and it is the purchase in 1720 by Benjamin Sweet, one time Sheriff of Oxfordshire, which set in train the sequence which resulted at the end of that century in the ownership by my British East India Company ancestor, Matthew Leslie. It is a sequence in which all the owners came from County Cork in Ireland, which is where Benjamin Sweet had family to whom he bequeathed the estate on his death in 1744. Sweet had become wealthy as the British Army's paymaster during the Nine Years' War with France, and subsequently became the victorious Duke of Marlborough's financial agent at Blenheim. On purchasing Medley, Sweet immediately set about constructing an imposing three-storey mansion with a commanding view over Port Meadow. This inspired the Oxford diarist Thomas Hearn to comment that it shows him to be whimsical, the place being drowned often in winter, and Medley being only a place of pleasure to go thither by boat in the summer season. Indeed, Medley had enjoyed a reputation as a hospitality destination since at least the early 17th century. Its enduring appeal is apparent in these lines from a long 1691 poem by Mrs Alicia Danvers. A place at which they never fail of custard, cider, cakes and ale. Benjamin Sweet ensured that ale remained available at the location by either retaining or reopening a public house known as the Cheesecake House. The opening of the new Medley Beer Garden in May of 2021 is therefore highly appropriate in sustaining a tradition of at least 400 years. 
Medley was still composed of the large mansion with grazing meadows of 83 acres, plus the public house and outbuildings, when it was purchased in 1764 by Colonel Matthew Leslie, the uncle of my identically named four times great-grandfather. Leslie Senior had fought against the French in North America in the 1740s and 1750s, first as an assistant surgeon, then as a quartermaster. It was in this staff officer role that he was wounded during uh, an ignominious defeat in 1755, serving alongside a certain aide-de-camp called George Washington. Four years later, Leslie fought at the successful siege of Quebec, being one of four officers remembered in the will of the fatally wounded General James Wolfe. Captain Leslie, as he was in 1764, acquired the Medley estate from another Cork man, Jasper Lucas, who was related by marriage to the Irish branch of Benjamin Sweet's family. Leslie probably intended it as an investment or future retirement location, because any thought of residing there vanished in 1768 when he resumed his military career. This time he was appointed as a lieutenant colonel in the army of the British East India Company. At least, lieutenant colonel was the rank that he had been promised prior to departure. But on arrival in Calcutta, he found that during the months that he'd been at sea, several other officers had been promoted over his head. As a result, Leslie threatened to get the first available ship back home. He was persuaded to remain, however, and was posted to the vicinity of Patna, a large and commercially important city on the river Ganges in the modern state of Bihar. The British military generated enormous employment opportunities for Indian civilians, and one Patna resident who benefited by finding work within the regiment commanded by Matthew Leslie was a remarkable young man called Dean Mahomet. Mohammed later became the first Indian to publish a book in English, and also the first to open a genuine Indian restaurant in Britain. Leslie is mentioned briefly in Mohammed's autobiographical memoir, and I like to think that it is no coincidence that it was published in Cork, his first place of residence after emigrating in 1784. But back to Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Leslie. Still feeling undervalued by the East India Company, he carried out his earlier threat to return home and was back in England by the beginning of 1771. He was recalled in 1773, but in the meantime he had decided to demolish Benjamin Sweet's mansion house, probably on account of the susceptibility to floods mentioned by Thomas Hearn. An advert in Jackson's Oxford Journal of June 1772 invited tenders from builders willing to remove the entire edifice by March of the following year, including the wainscot, marble chimney pieces, floors, timber, lead, iron, glass, bricks, tiles, slates, paving stone and other materials. Leslie set off for India again early in 1773, having finally persuaded the directors of the East India Company in London to recognise his merit by appointing him to the highly important logistical role of Quartermaster General for Bengal. He would never return. When he died on active service in 1778, by this time a colonel, his sole heir was his namesake nephew who was also employed by the East India Company in Bengal, but in a civilian role. The younger Matthew Leslie, my four times great-grandfather, also born in Cork, lived all his adult life in India, 
rising to a position of considerable seniority as a senior judge and member of the Board of Revenue in Bengal. He retained ownership of Medley Manor, a property he had almost certainly never seen in a city and possibly even a country that he had never visited until 1792. Now, the odd thing about all this is that I had researched the history of Medley in ignorance of any personal connection and had lived on a narrowboat within a few hundred metres of the southern, southern extent of Medley Manor Meadows since 1992. I might never have discovered any association had it not been for some documents retained by a later owner of the estate, namely the Oxford College of Christchurch. There, among the various conveyances, leases and indentures, I came across a copy of Matthew Leslie's will and some related correspondence, while researching a quite different topic. Otherwise, although some association with Medley would no doubt have become apparent eventually, the sequence of events leading to Matthew Leslie's ownership would almost certainly have remained a mystery. Indeed, something else which might have remained hidden is the fact that I had any Indian family associations at all. Matthew Leslie Jr. and three other of my expat ancestors all fathered children with Indian women in the late 18th century and early 19th century. Such liaisons were viewed as understandable and acceptable at the time, but attitudes changed subsequently, and there had not been so much of a whisper of this within the narrative of my family's history, not even when a substantial biography of a great-uncle was published in the 1990s. It was only because my Surrey stockbroker great-grandfather, Matthew Leslie's great-grandson, had been honest in the 1881 census by stating that his birthplace was Calcutta, that this exotic branch of the family was revealed. But that's another story, albeit one going back nearly a thousand years to the first Scottish Laird of Leslie. The current story, demonstrating how subtly the influence of empire can exert itself, ends with the younger Matthew Leslie's death in India in 1804. And if there is nothing tangible to indicate his connection with Medley, he has at least fared better in India itself. In the modern state of Jharkhand, where Leslie once served as the uh, East India Company's collector, there is an unremarkable township named, for the time being at least, Leslie Gange. <laughs>